0: And welcome to an all-new episode of Talking Foosball, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. My name is Nick Biltagen and I have a bit of a special midweek episode lined up for you. Well, as you will know, we have uh, intensified our efforts to create an awful lot of content for the Patreon channel, and we thought we might just give you a little taste of that. So here are two excerpts from the first two deep dives that have been published on the show. The first one is about Werder Bremen, the second one is about FC Zank Pauli. Without any further ado, let us start with the deep dive about Werder Bremen, where Visa Career journalist Christoph Baer joined me to chat about the Green and Whites, and I started off uh, this segment by asking him about his impressions from the match against Hoffenheim.
1: Yeah, I was one of the few journalists who who were allowed to watch the match at the stadium and yeah. You have to say it was not really. It's a really fun watching their match right now. I mean, they are not a team which which creates a lot of chances, which which plays kind of spectacular football. That's not what they are doing, but that's not what you can expect from the team at the moment. I think it was it was a beautiful early goal from from Matsi Eggestein. At that moment, I kind of hope that they might get more. They are confident. Shooting an early goal, like maybe, could be the start of a really, really great match. But when you saw, um that's what the team can do at the moment. They were uh, playing with, with uh, three or five defenders, two defensive midfielders. So they, yeah, were were quite solid at the back, and they had, uh, I guess, they had, they had five shots on goal. So, so really, really much. Uh, Hoffman was a better team in the second half. And, uh, at the end you can be satisfied with one point and with, with eight points at all. It's, uh. It's
0: a good start for Mm. But don't you have the feeling that Werder would have lost this sort of match last year or last season? Because when you took a look at Werder last season, they had many of these matches that were really tight. And in the end, they they always seemingly (laughs) got that goal in the 72nd minute or 80th minute. And and there simply wasn't any response after they conceded that 2-1 goal or that 1-0 goal against uh, opponents that were maybe slightly better than them, but not that much better than them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think they would have lost against Hoffman, they would have lost against Freiburg the week before, I guess well, um last season because yeah, I mean at at some point they were they were um, at the bottom of the table and yeah, that's <laughs> how it is when you when you have to fight relegation, yeah. You um you are not really confident. And now that's that's a um, development which is quite positive. Yeah, they are they are more confident. They they have these eight points and uh you don't have to fear that they uh concede a goal against Hoffenheim in the in the last minute at least i i didn't have the fear they were quite uh Hoffmann was a better team as i said they they had the ball most of the time in the uh, last minutes of of the match but they were not really really uh dangerous before the uh in front of the goal so
0: yeah, I mean the only yeah. the only thing of note Hoffmann created in the second half was that free kick by uh, Robert Skov. That was from the edge of the area. He went for broke, yeah. hit the crossbar, but it looked like Dario Pavlenka had that one covered.
1: Yes, yes, that was, was the only the only really chance they had, the chance they and uh, and they were in the, in the box quite often, but most of the time the other defender was there and could somehow manage to to clear the board.
0: Hmm. So, eight points, as we said, uh, how is the, how, how are the fans, uh, looking at that return and how are the, the officials at Villa looking at that return? They must be thrilled after last season.
1: Yeah, uh, first of all, the fans, um, seem, yeah, there, there, are different views. Um, partly they, they are really satisfied with the eight points and just are glad about not being, uh, at the bottom of the table again and have to see a relegation again at the moment. Uh, there are, on the other side, there are a lot of fans who, and um, yeah, are, are already complaining about it, uh, the way Vera plays. Like uh, saying, yeah, there's no real uh, offensive football. There's no, yeah, fun in watching the game. Yeah, it's just, yeah, kind of boring. Some some fans say. there are different opinions, and yeah, when you talk to the to the officials, of course they are. Mostly satisfied with, with the season so far after, after this, um, disaster of the last season. Um, yeah, you couldn't really expect to be on position seven right now and having eight points. So, um, the coach, Florian so Kohlfeld for example, he, he said, uh, he, he often said he's, he's satisfied with, with the season so far, but he also knows that it's, it's a development. You have to do small steps forward and, There's still a lot of work to do with, with, uh,
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you could actually spin this in a really positive direction if you wanted this. If you wanted to, because what Werder basically were forced to do over the summer is to get rid of a few players, uh, cut their wage expenditure by by quite a bit. Uh, so they let experienced guys like Nuri Shahin and uh, Philip Barkford go. Philip Barkford is now obviously back with the under twenty three side. So they they cut a lot of expensive players from from the team roster. Additionally, they brought up some young guys from you know who are like nick voltemada who used to be academy player for them they brought in a lot of young players like felix argue so what they've basically done is they've uh, cut expenditures they've uh, rejuvenated the team and now they have eight points after five matches but if we take those five matches and look at them one by one would you think it might be a little bit too optimistic to rave on about this and uh, instead go in the other direction and say, well, maybe despite those eight points, Verder might still be in for a long and tough season?
1: Yeah, yeah, it might be a tough season. I mean, if you watch at these matches one by one, you can say now against Hoffenheim, you had an opponent which uh, had to play in the Europa League on um, three days before the match. They had um, Andrej Kamar out because of quarantine, the best goal scorer so it was quite a good moment to play against Hoffenheim and then you had the, the, the Freiburg match where um, yeah it was yeah I was a little bit lucky in, in getting this one point uh, you had Bielefeld where, where the second half was not good at all for uh, from Werner's perspective yeah. so um, there's no reason to be uh, euphoric at the moment or to, to say they, they won't uh, Yet, uh, uh so they will play it somewhere in the first half, upper half of the of the table. I think it, and they have to look at, still at the teams which are at the bottom, like uh, Köln, Schalke, and so on. That's what Florian Kohfeldt did after the match. So he said we, we have to watch, uh, we have to look at the points they have and the points we have, and of course if these eight points are quite good at the moment. Might might help through the season because if you look at Schalke they have, they have just one point so they would be, would be glad about having eight points so um, yeah it might be a tough season and the really tough opponents they are still waiting for for their like it starts, starts with Bayern Munich at November so there will be a time when they maybe lose two or three games
0: In that regard the next two matches against Eintracht yeah. Frankfurt and uh, SF Köln are probably going to be key Getting some points from those matches in order to, you know, have a bit of a, a breathing space down towards the relegation. So, yes, yes. I
1: think you, you you are a Vera fan. Yes? I am. <laughs>
0: <Because> I am. <laughs> how do you
1: how do you see the fight? are you satisfied or? You, I, you know, I'm, I'm uh,
0: well. I mean, in terms of the football I've been seeing this season, I'm not really satisfied in terms of that. But I wasn't really expecting anything revolutionary from from that squad because. uh you know, David Carson was sold on. He was one of the best players in that squad. They needed to sell him on, um, and you know there the wasn't really any sort of signings this summer that would have caused me to say, "Oh, wow, this is really going to turn this team around." So they're basically uh, uh, they basically are trying to to stay in the league with the young with, with a lot of young players. Um, so uh, you know, I'm I'm sort of I'm I feel good about those eight points, but. I think we might be in for a really, really long and tough season.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if you look at the team, it hasn't really changed. David Klaben, an important player, has gone. And the new players like Felix Agu, like Patrick Eras, they they, they haven't played so far. So it's it's like somehow it's, it's a team of the last season which, which really played a bad season and um, some young players came up from the um, academy, like Walter Mader, like Mbombo was one year alone in, in Erding, but he's, he's a, a player from the Werder academy. So they are not really new players, which have already played in the Bundesliga for years. So it's quite the same team like last year. And yeah, what what can you expect? I mean, you have to be just have to be satisfied at the moment that they are not losing all the matches again, like they were in. Uh, January or February.
0: Mm, indeed. Um, how big how big loss do you think David Carson is to that side? I mean, he was sold on to Ajax Amsterdam, and that was basically a move from, That was caused out of uh, financial necessity for the club.
1: Uh, I, th- I think uh, many men think he's, he's really a, a loss, which you a player which you can't can't replace at the moment. I think it's possible to to replace him. Uh, of course, he was an important player. He was the, the vice captain played. Almost every match, but uh, he was not really that consistent in his performances. I think he had, he had some good matches, he had some bad matches. So he was, for me, he was not that, he was not really a leader. He was not a player where you can uh, look up to. He was, he had some good matches, he had some bad matches. So I think it's, um, it's possible to, to replace him. He was, he, you have to say, he had, he had, I guess, seven goals. He some assists last season, so that's of course something which we have to keep an eye on. But um, I think I don't think that the whole team depends depended on, on David and He was not that kind of player. And um, like I would, even say, I would say Niklas Furtwängler is even more important. T- really,
0: he's now out, yeah. out injured for until November, isn't he? So yes. how is that going yes. to affect Voter?
1: Yeah, that, that might be really, really a problem for the for the next matches. He, he will miss the um, match against Frankfurt and against Cologne, and maybe he will even be injured a bit longer. So um, at the moment, he's for me he's the most important player there because um, yeah, they have not really ideas when they when it comes to um, creating chances. So most of the time, they play long balls, uh, long passes to to Füllkrug. And he's, he's not there at the moment. David Zeker, who could replace him, is also injured. He, uh, could, cannot play against, against Frankfurt. So they have to find, uh, somehow they have to find a new idea for, for creating chances now. And, uh, yeah, I from the best, um, he had two assists already this season, so he's also out injured. So it's quite interesting to see what, what they what they will do it against Frankfurt now. I mean, they, they didn't create many chances uh, against against Hoffenheim, and so I'm a bit pessimistic looking at Frankfurt. I don't know how it could work without
0: Schürrle now. Definitely, some questions to answer there for for Florian Kohfeldt. Uh, another name that has been mentioned an awful lot during the entire summer was uh, Milot Rashica. Uh, now he was linked to a number of clubs, uh, most of the time the, the name RB Leipzig popped up, uh, but Werder weren't able to move him on. Now he had been injured for some time, he came back against Freiburg where he, uh, actually, uh, you know, uh, his, uh, his teammates weren't too happy with his performance during those dying minutes of the match, as he didn't really do an awful lot of defending.
1: And um, yeah, I think, um, you know, Josh, has a problem also in the team right now, because if you look at the Freiburg match, there were Marco Friedl and uh, Kevin Milwald, um on the pitch saying, saying while uh, really shouting at him, like, because he didn't. He just stood up front and, uh, and then was, was during the last minutes and was 1-1. So everybody had to, um, had to work defensively and, and he didn't do it. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's one reason why he didn't play against Hoffenheim. Of course, Florian Kofeld said that, um, it's because he, he were injured quite, for quite a long time and that's why he didn't, um, bring him as a as a substitute against often member I think you really have to uh, think about if you if you can put him in the squad right now. Uh, something uh, uh it, it's not really working well with him. And um what what was interesting was also that Florian Kovald said after after Hoffenheim that um he decided to, to bring um Thais Chong and uh, not Mirad Rashita because Chong is the um fastest player in his team. And that was the reason why he um brought him as a substitute and not Rashica. But um, yeah, as you might know, Rashid is also said to be quite quite fast, quite quick. His, his nickname is Rocket. So um that can't be the reason not to um yeah to bring Chang instead of so There must be something else I think.
0: <clears throat> how big a blow was it for Verda that they weren't able to move him on during the summer? I mean, the the, the club has been talking about that we need we need a lot, a lot of money coming in from the transfer window, and uh, all players are basically up for sale. For if the right bidder comes in and they're offering the right amount, uh, any player could basically be sold. And Milot rashidza was believed to be the player that could generate the most money. Uh, so, how big a blow was it that they weren't able to sell him more?
1: yeah that that's a problem everybody expected him to to be sold for for 20 million euros or so and now he, he's still at the club and that's also the reason why they they couldn't uh, they didn't manage to to board or to to get a new uh, midfielder because uh, that was always uh, the aim during during this um, transfer window to get someone for the defensive midfield and the money wasn't there because Rajcza couldn't be sold. They sold David Klaven, but those about eleven million euros they, they needed to um, to buy um, Leonardo Bittencourt and Ymar Toprak, which uh, had those um, options in their contracts. So yeah, there's not yeah there's no money at the moment. Yeah, they, they didn't e- couldn't even um, get uh, Marco Ruiz on loan, which they tried to, but if, if there's no money to. Uh, there's no money at all. So you can can even get a player on loan. That's uh, that's really a problem. And uh, I think they, they have to send your drafts in winter now, but if he doesn't play or if he plays like he did against against Freiburg, you will have problems to to find a club who is willing to to pay enough money for them.
0: Once again, thank you to Christoph Baer to chatting about the river islanders with us. You can follow Christoph on Twitter at Christoph Bear Bears written B A E H R. After the break, we will be back with an excerpt from our deep dive about St. Pauli. Stay tuned for that. So, here we go with part 2 of the show. Quick reminder, we do have a competition going where the winner can Win a uh, goodie back with German football stuff, pack to the rafters. All you need to do is to sign up to our Patreon channel, patreon.com forward slash talking foosball is the internet address for that. If we reach more than 50 patrons by the end of the week, the winner will be announced on next week's Talking Foosball. But to get things moving into the right direction again, let, let's continue with my deep dive about Esther F.C. St. Pauli with Mike and Enjoy. Joining me is Mike Kirkemeyer from the Milan Torn podcast and the Milan Torn website, which has up this coverage ever since Corona by quite a bit. Hello there, Mike. How are you doing?
2: Hi, Nick. I'm fine. How are you?
0: Good, good. So starting off, let's uh, talk a little bit about the Milan Torn website. It used to be like one article or two articles per per week. But these days, you you really have started covering all the ins and outs of St. Pauli. Well, I, I, the easiest way would be
2: say to say thank you, Corona, but that's not correct because we also started uh, a little bit earlier with a daily uh, coverage of St. Pauli, at least from Monday to Friday. And, of course, on the weekend, uh, report on on the match, uh, if this was on Friday or whatever. Uh, just because we realized that um, the coverage of St. Pauli in the Internet is, apart from the club's website, of course, well, let's say not the best. For the Hamburg local newspapers, we do have the Adenblatt, which is behind a paywall. And then we have two yellow press pages, which, of course, has a different let's say, quality of coverage, and uh, therefore we said, okay, we will now try to do it ourselves in a probably better way, and this started at January uh, with a daily coverage, and now uh, it was was shortly interrupted by corona for a few weeks where we just tried to find uh, our own way in doing this, and since corona, uh, I'm in work time reduction for first of all 100% and then later on 50% so uh especially my colleague Tim and I we did find some time to invest more on St. Pauli uh, and the Milan and yes at the moment we do quite a good job uh, I would say and uh, have really really regularly coverage of St. Pauli and um, especially the match reports by Tim which has a, who has a very very tactical view on things I think that's quite, uh, quite good, uh, for, for the media coverage of St. Pauli
0: in general. Indeed. Um, so let's just dive into the sporting matters at St. Pauli. Over the summer, a new coach came in. The old coach, Jos Lukai left. Um, so why was he let go and, uh, what was the thinking of, uh, putting Timo Schulz in shorts?
2: I personally
0: really was a big fan of Jos Lukai, especially in the beginning, because
2: he was, uh, he was not that easy on the players, I would say. Uh, he put his finger into open wounds in the club. Uh, it was a little bit maybe too friendly atmosphere from time to time. And uh, he changed that. And unfortunately, maybe he changed it too much. And then um, the atmosphere, especially for, for the first team, was... Too bad. Uh, maybe at a certain stage before uh, Lukai, it was too good, and now it was definitely too bad. And especially w- during the Corona break, he just lost the team. I'm pretty sure. And after that, uh, there was no chance to continue under Kai. So I think, from a tactical uh, view, from from how to play football view. He is a very good coach, but maybe, uh, from a, from a human view on, on how to lead a team and so on, maybe... He has not arrived in 2020, and this was the problem in the end. And uh, so we came up with Timo Schulz, who is uh, in the club for 15 years. Uh, at first as a player, and then he uh, was a co-coach, and then he was at U17 and the under-19 team for several years. And now he made the step to become first uh, head coach, uh, which was expected when Yoslukai joined already by some people um, at that time the club was not convinced that he could do it and now he made it and um, I personally really really like that decision um, I think he's a really good coach and of course also uh he fits to the club he's here for 15 years he's been to the Milano Podcast twice uh, and I think everyone who heard that uh, two episodes yeah You need to like him. There's no other way uh, to say it. He's a really, really nice guy, a good sense of humor, and um, I think he can lead a team and he can um, motivate them. And um, also from a football perspective, of course, he's really modern. He has uh, installed two Uh, assistant coaches which are under 30 uh, who also have a very very modern view at football who uses the newest uh, technical methods and therefore I'm quite optimistic that he will be here more than one year hopefully Um, and that he will bring a new kind of success to St. Pauli in the end.
0: Yeah, you mentioned those new uh, assistant coaches uh, that he brought in, and and that in itself entailed a very difficult decision for him, didn't it? Because André Trugsen, who is a legend at St. Pauli, I mean, he played for them in the Bundesliga back in the early 2000s. Uh, he uh, had been at the club forever, uh, through all divisions, always stayed true to them, and you know, he was the assistant coach under Holger Stanislavski the last time St. Pauli was in the Bundesliga. So he's been at the club forever, and he has been a part of the coaching staff for quite some time. But he was let go. That surely must have ruffled some feathers among the fans as well. Yes, it did. But
2: I think it was uh, when Timo Schulz was installed, uh, everyone said, well, now the good old times come back, and everyone uh, at the club will feel those um Saint Pauli values and so on, and everything everything will be a big family once again. And I think this to, to keep Andre Toulsen in his job would be a very easy decision. Uh, everyone would have liked that. And I think that Timo at that point of time wanted to set a sign or uh, somehow, and um, probably also thought that. Uh, Yeah, he he needs some new guys, and I think this was, uh, in the end, the decision. Um, I I think, personally, they really like each other, Uh, so Timo also gave Andre Trudsen a call personally to inform him about that, Uh, but yes, in the end, of course, this caused some some discussions at least, Um, but... To me, again, um, you, you maybe you need some new people at the club at this uh, big change in general, and yeah, unfortunately, Andrej um was one of the people involved in that change.
0: Yeah, he definitely was one of the casualties. Yeah, so. I think it probably helped also that Andre Tulson's own son came out in one of those tabloids that we won't mention, saying that you know what, Timo Schulz is a good coach, I've worked with him, he knows what he's doing and uh he felt sorry for his dad, but he said this is the way forward for St. Pauli. For sure. And one more question about Andre Tolson. Is he going to be kept at the club in some some position?
2: Not at the moment. So you mentioned his son. I think he's now uh, assistant coach at the U under 19, if I'm correct, or under 17, I'm not sure. Uh, so he will be there, and I can imagine that – Maybe at a later stage, Andre will somehow be involved again. But for the moment, um, he's out. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he will follow the club, uh, and there is no no new club for him at the moment. Um, but probably there will be another job for him at a later
0: stage. So uh, let's turn to the footballing side of St. Pauli. For those who haven't followed the the summer transfer window, which was quite long, it just shut on October 5th. Who's come in and who's been let go by by the club? Who are the new players to get excited about? and to- what are the biggest losses on the roster?
2: How many hours do we have? No. Open, w- <laughs> open it. <discussion>. Come on. <laughs> this, yeah, it, it was a really busy summer from that perspective. So uh, we really lost some key players. Uh, in total, I think there were 10 people who uh, left St. Pauli, 11 who joined St. Pauli or the other way around. And um, yeah, one issue last year was that we had already a very big squad. And uh, therefore, or Andreas Bornemann, the manager, was only able to uh, get new players on loan which, of course, always is a difficult thing, but he had no other chance to do it last year. Uh, so from that perspective, uh, one of the key players last year was Leo Östigaard, who was on loan from Brighton and uh, who really took a place in, in our hearts. And I think also the club took a place in his heart uh, when you followed him on social media in the summer break. Uh, but in the end, he uh, went back to, to Brighton and now he is on loan to another club in the English First Division, So second league uh, championship. Coventry, isn't it? Coventry, yeah, right. And we also lost some other people who were here for several years. So, for example, uh, Waldemar Sobota uh, is now back in, in Poland. Johannes Flum left. Jan, Jan Philip Kalas, Schnecke Kalas, of course, uh, who has been here for uh, well, more or less since 1910, since uh, the club has been founded, more or less. Uh, at least what we are feeling about him. Um, he is still involved in the club uh, in a different role. He's now an ambassador for the for for the youth club, for the kids club. But he is playing now for another Hamburg uh, amateur club, uh, which is uh, SC Victoria. In the Oberliga, uh, the, the fifth division, but he's not playing anymore. And uh, for us, and he's also the coach for the second women team. So uh, he is definitely staying with us, and hopefully, will um, find a good. Uh, way, uh, in the club and several other people like, for example, Victor Gyukere, uh, who was also unknown from Brighton, uh, Matt Penny, who, who scored that magnificent goal in the derby and some others. So there was uh, Hank Thurman. and Thurman. Yeah, this was especially because he left at the very beginning of the season and um he's now back in uh, Herenveen and he's quite successful there uh, I think in, in the first uh, in the Eredivisie and he scored against Ajax on the weekend but they lost 5-1 so hmm. yeah so so many many people who who left um also who has left was James Lawrence our uh, Welsh international uh, but he came back uh, after season started uh, he was on loan from Anderlecht and and uh, when he got there, he realized there will be no chance for me to, to get in the first team. And uh, therefore, Anderlecht then let him go. And he's now back with St. Pauli. And we are really enthusiastic about that. He has some things that he need to do uh, before he's in the first team. But we really need him uh, from it defense point of view. Um, and then we, we had some, yeah, some, some very interesting signings. Um, and this is the big difference to last year. Uh, except one, they are not on loan. They are all with us now for at least one year and uh, probably some more. Um, like, for example, Lea Takarada, who joined us um, from Sandhausen. He's a left uh, defenseman, which always is a difficult position in, in German football, at least. Um, we also have uh, Afis Aremu, who played in Norway. So you might know him better than I do, but uh, he's a defense middle fielder and uh, quite impressive uh, body and so on. Um, we do have Lukas Daschner from Duisburg midfielder, Maximilian Dittgen uh, midfielder from Wien Wiesbaden. And um, at least until now, uh, Daniel Kofik-Cheré, also from Wien Wiesbaden, who scored three goals already in the first three uh, four games. Um, this was... Uh, probably from that point of view the most impressive one up to now but on Monday evening more than us realized that Rodrigo Salazar who is on loan from Frankfurt and he's the only one on loan at the moment he might be the biggest uh, impact for us uh, because he's quite impressive uh, midfielder defense midfielder and um, he joined Frankfurt last year and then was on loan to Poland uh, for one year and now he's on loan to us but I'm yeah, I'm quite convinced that we are not able to keep him for more than this season and he will get back to Frankfurt pretty sure if he uh keeps
0: what he is promising at the moment. One one transfer you forgot about. Maybe the one ah, well, that beautiful. made the most <laughs> most headlines, and that is Guido Buchstaller, who yeah, joined from from Schalke. I mean, what was the thinking behind that? I mean, he's clearly still had a still have, have he's clearly has a couple of good years left, and he's 31 now. But he really hasn't really set the Bundesliga alight last season. I think he played in he featured in 24 matches, scoring precisely zero goals.
2: Yeah, he scored in the cup <laughs> once. Yes, he did Which score. Could have cup. helped us if we had joined us earlier. No. Uh, yeah, correct. Uh, <laughs> Guido Borstella is one striker beside Daniel Cherry that we signed. And I also forgot Simon Makjernok from Dynamo Dresden, uh, Danish international, I think. Uh, oh, not even sure if international, but he's more than it's two Danish, yeah. high. Danish. Uh, yeah. And, uh, so we, we do have a totally new f- f- forward squad. Uh, Uh, Yeah, Guido Bokschala joined really late. Um, He was famous in Germany when he signed for, or not not famous when he signed, but famous when he played for Nuremberg some years ago, where he scored a huge amount of goals and then um, changed to, to Schalke. And Well, that change was um, enabled from the Nuremberg manager Andreas Bornemann. He was now the manager at St. Pauli, and um, maybe this connection helped us to get him because, from a from from a money perspective, he probably is too expensive for us. Uh, But I think he earned some good money at Schalke. And as you said, he didn't score uh, the last year. So um, there was no future for him at that club. And he was just, looking for a new challenge. And maybe when his phone rang and he saw the number of uh, Andreas Bornemann, he said, well, that was a good time in Nuremberg back then. Let's see if I can do it at St. Pauli. Uh, he also mentioned uh, the the usual statements that he really followed the club for a long time and that he really likes it. But, okay, everyone is saying that. So let's see how it comes up at the pitch. And um, at the moment, uh, he, he didn't make that much impact. But uh, I'm, I'm sure he will make that impact uh,
0: in the next couple of games. Yes, so far there have been precisely zero footballers who have said, oh, I really hated that club before I joined them. <laughs> so let's turn to how the season has been panning out so far. Uh, four matches, uh, five points. Impressive comeback against Bochum in the first match. 2-0 down at halftime. At the halftime break, I think two late goals sealed as a draw. Then there were you know, there there were uh, last on Monday there was that two two draw against Nuremberg, uh there was a loss against Sandhausen and a three one win against Heidenheim, if I remember oh, correctly. Sure, yeah. So how happy are are you and how happy do you think St. Pauli is with that start to the season? I mean, going by your squad, uh there's a lot of new blood in there, but you know, if you look at stuff like wage budget and the financial power that St. Pauli yields within the Bundesliga 2, you surely would think that they are sort of looking towards a top-half finish. Yeah, so uh, I think in the end if we will be in the second
2: Bundesliga next season, then Everything is fine. Uh, hopefully, we will ensure that place in the second Bundesliga earlier than we did in the last year. So probably not only on the thirty-third uh, match day, but probably some weeks earlier would be great. Um, I think because of that huge change in training and player stuff, you, you could not expect us to to finish in the top three this season, and especially not that early in the season. And if you take at the a uh, look at the opponent. Um, Heidenheim, Bochum, and as well Nuremberg. these are three clubs that you would usually also expect in the top five or six. Um, they are not at the moment, but this is just because they played against us probably. No, and and um, I think the, the best game really was that loss in Sandhausen. It might sound a little bit weird, but this was really the best game. We just forgot to score those goals. And for the other games, well, I think we were also quite lucky in the Bochum game, two late goals, which could have been even a third goal in the last second uh, where we just hit the post. And also for the Heidenheim game, we were uh, in a 4-0 lead in that game, and then we conceded two fast goals. And if at that point of time the momentum would have totally switched, it could be a 4-4 draw in the end, so we were also lucky in that game. Then the loss against St. Halsen and the really, really thrilling game on Monday against Nürnberg. In the end, I'm totally fine with the season. I hope that we can finish somewhere in between 6-7-8, somewhere there, and um, that we will just enjoy the way that we are playing football. Because uh, with all that new signings, probably... Maybe except Burkstaller and Makienok. We, we do set everything on speed. So all these players are really, really fast. And I think a good attack play with huge speed in the squad. This will hopefully be the way that, that St. Pauli will play during the season. And, um, also the way Timo Schulz wants to play football. So. I, my, my target for to for this season is that we do play a lot better football than we did in the last couple of years and that we just well usually I would say make some sensation on the pitch and take the the, the people in the stadium with us um, unfortunately there are no people in the stadium at the moment but um, this is exactly what I would like to see this season and if it be play uh, p- table position 6 or 10 i don't really care i don't believe that we will get up this season i'm quite optimistic that we won't go down so and then let's see how, what we can do next season. This is the one I'm really looking for.
0: Mm. So, do you think that this, with uh, with Timo Schulz in, with all these new players, I mean, all the guys we mentioned, they're quite young. Do you think it's sort of like a long term project that builds towards getting promoted? And in that case, do you think that the club has a plan of how to stick around for the in the Bundesliga for more than one season? Because, I mean, that has been traditionally speaking, Saint Pauli's problem. I mean, they, they've had so many surprise promotions. I mean, the nineties, early two thousands, uh, two thousand. I think the last season in the Bundesliga was 2011, 2012 yeah. And you know, after those surprise promotions, the team usually went straight back down. Okay, there was a period in the nineties where you had players like uh, Klaus Tomforde in goal, who was absolutely amazing. Uh, whereas St. Pauli probably stuck around for was it three years in the Bundesliga, mm-hmm. but uh, ever since uh, it's been one season up and then straight back down.
2: Yeah. I I think it's getting more difficult for clubs like St. Pauli and all the others to get to the first division and then especially stay there. So um, we might talk about that Zukunft Profifußball task force later on uh, and it's a huge uh, important thing um, that we will somehow Change the way that the TV money is split among the clubs at the moment. Um, But the longer you stay not in the first division, um, the more difficult it will be. And we also have the situation that clubs like um, Hoffenheim, RB Leipzig and so on, all those new clubs with Different sorts of investments uh, behind them. Uh, they also take a place of those 18 places that are the, in the first division, and so it gets more and more difficult. But uh, on the other hand, I'm uh, for for the first time in let's say 10 or 20 years, I'm quite optimistic that we do have a plan at least. If this plan will work out fine in the end, we will see. Um, but I'm yeah. I'm, I'm optimistic that we will somehow at least have a chance. And when you are in the first division, of course, it always will depend on so many different things. If you can make it there, if you can stay up. But, um, at the moment you also see with Union Berlin that it at least is possible. And
0: hopefully we will also find that way. But, um, well, you will never know. <laughs> well, I mean, This time around, uh, this particular Bundesliga 2 season, you don't have a a side of the size of Stuttgart or you know Cologne yeah Cologne going down I mean you have Fortuna Düsseldorf who are sort of like a Bundesliga 2 side I mean they have a long history in the Bundesliga but that goes a long time back traditionally speaking over the last few years they've been mostly in the Bundesliga 2 and had some foray in, into the Bundesliga you know a couple of times mm-hmm. and you have Paderborn which is sort of like the craziest yo-yo side of mm-hmm. um uh, in Germany I mean the, they I think they have been either promoted or relegated every year for the last six seven or eight years which is entirely insane so this season in particular might be a good chance because when you look at how the teams are lining up in the Bundesliga this year you might actually think that one of the really big sides like a Werder Bremen or Schalke Nulfier might be going down and next season it might get a lot trickier to go up yep you're right so this Year of the total change.
2: It would have been better if we would have made it last year, but we didn't. So we do it now. Um, of course, if in the end we will finish on place one or two on, or three, that would be great. I personally don't believe in it because I think that, for example, Kiel uh, is the top squad at the moment. HSV, unfortunately, is also quite good. Um, so they probably go up and then it's just a race behind that for place number three, which might be Hanover, Dusseldorf, Nuremberg, Heidenheim. So so many squads. Of course, St. Pauli might be one of them, um, but then you still need to play the relegation game against... I don't know, Werder, Schalke, whatever. So if you do that, uh, it's probably not very likely that you win it. So yes, it might be easier this year than next season, but, uh, well, you can't, you can't plan it at the moment. And, um, I personally think that the squad might be better next year and, then we just don't care if it's Vera or Schalke or both of them. We will just finish first, and that's it.
0: So, an awful lot of great things going on at St. Like Pauli at the moment. Uh, make sure to follow Mike on Twitter, uh, at Mike Carew is his Twitter handle. Since this was recorded, St. So Pauli has played out another match, the one against Darmstadt, where the team once again drew 2-2. Always a lot of goals at St. Pauli matches this season, it turns out, so they are certainly a fun side to follow. Well, this is it for this midweek edition of Talking Fußball, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. My name is Nick Wilteing. hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Norm Musings. Make sure to join our Patreon channel at Patreon. forward slash talking foosball if you do you are in the running for a tailor-made bag of German football goodies this show has as always been produced by Aidan Rantoul until next week see you then bye